This is Song. And this is Sarah. This is Epping Ethical, where we try to make sense of all the choices facing consumers every day. So we're in the middle of a healthcare series, and there's so much to talk about with healthcare. Um, and you know, last week we talked about healthcare and equity and the vaccine, and soon we'll be talking about women's health. Um, but before we get into all of that, we thought it made sense for us to share a little bit about our own kind of healthcare journeys um, and yeah, our perspectives as consumers um, and things like that. So. So we'll be sharing a little bit about today um, and talking about sort of insurance and, and all of that. And this is probably the perfect year to talk about it because it was an in-between year for both of us, which like literally are those times where things like healthcare and insurance um, specifically are like all of a sudden you realize are like a thing you have to deal with. Um, specifically because of like the in-between times. So I feel like if you had asked me 12 months ago to talk about this, I, I at least wouldn't nearly have had as much to say. Um, although what I will say is that in preparation for this, I thought back to, well, okay, precursor, I'm listening to Obama's new book on audiobook as we've been traveling. And like the you know, of course, the first thing he talks about is the healthcare bill, um, or, the, or like the, the first big thing, of course, in his presidency. And um, to be honest, based on my age, I wasn't paying a lot of attention to the details of politics when, um, especially during Obama's first term. But um, because he was talking about healthcare and kind of the way that the Affordable Care Act like was supposed to work, or like the places where they. Um, had to compromise or kind of how it ended up working. Um, I went through and realized like how many unique or like specific ways I've benefited from the Affordable Care Act. And it's kind of a lot um, more than I expected, which was which was like an interesting, interesting realization, right? That if I had been older or like in a different place in time, I wouldn't have like benefited from it in all those ways. For me too, this is the first time in a very long time where or maybe the first time ever, um, because, you know, at a certain age, whenever I was like doing internships or taking a summer off or whatever, I was always covered by my parents' insurance. Um, and then I've had jobs and I didn't have to think twice about it or I was in school. And um, this was the first time that I think I got to truly appreciate um, what it means to what, what different forms of healthcare mean, and not just in theory, but in just like the, the nitty gritty ways where it really makes a big impact on um, people's lives. Yeah. Well, I feel like the first thing, and I'm just going to like use our own podcast to like call out our alma mater. <laughs> we were all graduating into a unique economic situation. And so a lot of people, even people who like had offers for full-time employment, they didn't have like the the um, work didn't start yet or it was delayed. Like I know a ton of people who started January 1st um, or even later, like stuff just keeps getting delayed. But um, and so they gave us this option to like basically purchase the same health care we had um, on campus for like a few more months. So like it went through the summer, right? Like it covers you for like two months after you graduate, basically. And then I think it went through October. And like, I didn't even think twice about it. I was like, oh, that makes sense. It wasn't particularly expensive. Um, 
But what I didn't appreciate, <laughs> which I think is part of it, is that as students making no or little income, even with our summer internships the year before, mm-hmm. almost all of us qualified for Medicaid. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, and you know what's better than healthcare in New Haven, Connecticut, when you don't live there and so you can't really use it, is Medicaid somewhere else. So yeah. I think the first thing for me was like, oh, I should have just signed up for Medicaid. Um, like right away, um, as soon as that other insurance ran out instead of extending it for a few months. Yeah, I think um, I'm, I'm so lucky that I feel like during school, um, I, in a random conversation with a friend, she was telling me how she had that realization of, um, you know, her even as a student, even though she spent her summer at a bank, um, you know, she qualified for Medicare her first year and um, she was, or Medicaid for the first year. And she was shocked um, that the school never talked about it or that, you know, that students were not aware that they could have this other option that's much more affordable. And, you know, Yale, I mean, the, the school health insurance, I mean, don't even get me started, but um and all of the ways that I'm, I'm so grateful that I was, you know, covered and I didn't get sick and or, or whatnot. But even um, I do remember trying to get like a therapist was impossible. And I, I kind of gave up multiple times trying to take care of my own mental health um, because it was so impossible to find, you know, appropriate care. And um, yeah, there were so many challenges, even while I guess we were students and Um, Had it not been for that conversation with a friend during school and, you know, remembering that that option was there um, after graduating, I was like, you know, we were given that option to extend and the extension was how, how expensive it was like, it was, it was outrageously expensive. And I was like, there's no way I don't have an income. How am I going to pay for this? Um, And so I ended up in Medicaid. Um, But yeah. And I, I'm also grateful that I got, I even like qualified for Medicaid, right? Because I am a citizen now and I can't imagine how difficult it was for, for folks who didn't have that other option. And, you know, they were kind of living in anxiety, like month by month, seeing if the school would extend the healthcare coverage, you know, a little bit longer while they were looking for jobs and and whatnot. So, yeah. 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 I, um, so yes, I mean, similarly, I guess to you, this was the first time I had to like purchase and choose my own healthcare, like not having it covered by my employer um, or, yeah, I mean, I guess like a lot of, so I, I was in the Peace Corps and I like didn't even think about health insurance because it just sort of like was was covered. <laughs> like there was no, I didn't even have to choose. Whereas like later when I when I worked for the federal government, not as a volunteer, like I even had to choose. So it was like the first time even doing that. And I just like, I mean, one, it took a long time to figure out how to do it, um, which I didn't appreciate. And part of my thing, so by time, so you had like figured this out earlier, which like, I'm like, oh, I should have talked a song about this in hindsight. Cause I remember texting you when I was then trying to figure it out a few months later. And I was like, I think I, I qualify for Medicaid. And you're like, yeah, I just got on Medicaid. Yeah. I already knew I qualified. And I was like, oh, crap. Um, but what was interesting was 
it wasn't totally clear that I qualified for Medicaid at that time because I did have a job. I worked part-time. Um, and so there's this like complicated thing about qualifying for Medicaid or really any, um, any government subsidized part of healthcare, which is they look at your like month by month income. But when, at the end of the year, when you do your taxes, there's like an annual income component. (laughs) So you kind of are like balancing both. So I had calculated like what my annual income for 2020 was going to be. And I 100% qualified for Medicaid. But my monthly income, as low as it was working part-time, meant that I didn't qualify for Medicaid. Um, Mm. And I thought that would be more obvious. It wasn't. I had to stay on the phone um, with – so I was – well, I was, like, living in Arizona at the time. I had to, like, stay on the phone with, like, the Arizona um, Medicaid office for, like, whatever, on hold for, like, an hour and a half for somebody to tell me something that I thought would be pretty obvious, Mm. but it wasn't. Um, Yeah. But the one thing that I will say has been really interesting because this like happened multiple times is like when you when you go to purchase your own healthcare on the exchange, if you do qualify for Medicaid, it like sends you that direction, which I think is good, right? That like you can still start at one place, which is yeah. the exchange. Um, I was also I also had to get insurance in Colorado for 2021, so I've like done this a few times now. And there it was like a little bit different because they have like a state exchange instead of using the, the just like the online platform that um, is provided nationwide. So I did appreciate that like, <laughs> again, because this is so weird, I had to put in my annual income and it sent me to Medicaid and then I got mm-hmm. rejected by Medicaid and then mm-hmm. I had to call them and I was like, why was I rejected by Medicaid? Look at my annual income. And they're like, oh, your monthly income is too much. I was like, mm-hmm. All right. Um, But after that, I will say, once I figured that out, using the exchange to get health insurance in Arizona was pretty easy after that. Um, I had good options. My income was low enough that I was like very heavily subsidized. So it was like not um, a particularly expensive endeavor. I I did have to pay some out of pocket, but um, it was pretty easy to use after that, which was good. Mm, That's so good. Uh, I, I think I had a little bit of a different experience, um, like being on the exchange and it was my first time, right? So I was transitioning from Medicaid to once I started, um, getting paid more regularly, um, with this new, you know, gig, um, still really, really low. I'm, I'm paying myself, I guess, just enough to like cover expenses essentially. Um, and yeah, I got on the exchange and it was my first time using it. And so, um, you know, I was like talking to, I was, you know, on a call with a, a provider or, um, yeah, with somebody who's going to, who's going to help me with it. And they just made me feel so terrible um, because they were like, you know, Connecticut's not a great state for this, that you only have a few options. You know, why did you wait so long? Um, this is, you know, going to be the best option for you. And it was like, it was, I don't know, something that was like close to 20% of, of my take-home pay. And I was like, I don't think I can afford that. And he was like, you have no, you know, you have no other option. You know, this has been the law for the past 10 years. Like, what do you mean? Like, you don't know how this works. And so I explained to him that this is my, you know, first time going through it because I've always had a job where I've been in school and I just don't understand. 
Um, and I just like felt so put off by the whole process that I just like, I just kind of freaked out and I hung up because I was so frustrated. Um, and you know, I, (laughs) I'm like not proud of it, but I, you know, that's what happened. Um, and so then I, you know, like redid all of my finances and, you know, redid my budget and like, you know, pushed things off and, you know, I don't like have savings anymore. Right. Like I don't have, you know, whatnot. Um, and so I like took some stuff from like food budget and, and whatever, and redid my budget, calmed myself down and then recalled, um, and it was another, you know, another woman who helped me and, and she was really lovely. And um, A, I'm, I'm appreciative and I'm grateful that there are so many um, people who are working hard, especially during that time, during the, you know, short kind of um, enrollment period to help folks and make the transition easy. But, you know, in all honesty, like as a consumer, it just didn't leave me feeling great. And I think, you know, we always talk about choice, right? And how it's so great to have all of these options. Um, But I was thinking, what choice did I really actually have? Like, what was I actually shopping around for? Um, Because there's nothing that I could actually afford. It was just whatever. um, I just had the one option, right? And Mm -hmm. yeah, I was thinking about, about that quite a bit. And, you know, kind of if I'm feeling this way, right? Like, how is it for, for so many others, right? Who are in such, you know, worse places than I am, like how difficult, um, it must have been and it, it, that it must be still. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's so interesting, um, that you had that I, and I think it was because like at the time that I was doing it the first time around, my income was so low that like what I was going to be subsidized, like, like it all kind of felt right. Like it basically meant that like I had more options. Um, and in Arizona, it really did feel like I had options. Like I basically got, I had the same health insurance provider that I'd had when I was working before school with like a pretty comparable plan. Um, there were like some differences, but like it felt like I, like it felt easy to navigate. Um, and then, and then I will say once I like chose that and got on, I called because I was like, um, so I was in the middle of like looking for a job. Right. And I was like, there was a a chance that by time my health insurance ran out in, I guess I needed it like November 1st, um, that I would have a a full-time job and they would be paying for it. So I like really did put off like doing this until like the week before. I think I like opened the exchange. I like figured stuff out. Thankfully I figured out the, um, not qualifying for Medicaid thing earlier, but, um, I was finally like, you know, purchasing the healthcare or the insurance, like the week or like, yeah, maybe like Thursday, there was a weekend and Monday was no, like the, the new month. So it was close. Anyway, so I called them cause I was like, there was just something weird about it, which was really interesting. And it said, you have to pay, you have to pay like two weeks before the new month for you to have it for the next month. Yeah. Um, and it, and it says everywhere like that that even applies when you're like getting new insurance. And I was like, crap, like I literally can't do that. So I called them and they're like, yeah, yeah, it says that, but like trust me, like you have insurance, we you know, we we see your application and everything. Um and I was super impressed because when I called, I had like blocked out a time on my calendar. I was like, all right, I don't have like a meeting for two hours. Like if this, if I'm on hold for a really long time again, like this will be fine. And somebody picked up after like two rings, like a real person. Mm -hmm. And I was like, 
I was like shocked. I was like, wait, am I talking? (laughs) Um, So, I mean, so that felt really good. I was like, there's tons of, like, like I said, there were tons of options. It felt like I could really weigh the different things I cared about with healthcare, which, you know, it's, I would not imagine that everybody has like thought as much as I have about this, about like what they need out of their health insurance. But I have thought about it a lot and I've had to use my health insurance a lot and had to like talk to them. So like I really knew what I needed um, and I felt like I could make those choices. And so it was pretty easy. And so when I went to buy insurance for 2021 in Colorado, I was like, oh, like, yeah, like I don't need to, you know, I don't need, I don't need help with this. Or like, I don't need to reach out to somebody who helps with this. Like I know how to do it. And then the first thing was Colorado has their own state exchange. Um, mm. So like, again, it's just like a different web platform. And I was like going through and like signed up and then it just wasn't working. I was like, what the hell? And I got an email confirmation saying, you know, you set up your account, but like it wasn't working. And so I called one of my friends who lives in Colorado who like, you know, herself has a small business and works with startups. So I was like, okay, like you work with people who like themselves are signing about the exchange, what's going on. And she was like, oh, it doesn't work on Safari. (laughs) I was like, like, this is so dumb. Like such like a small thing, but like, okay, if it's not going to work on Safari, like don't let the website work so far as let you sign up, but like not open anyways. And so I finally got on and I like put in all my new information I like knew I was going to be in like a new role. My income was going to be higher, um, high enough to where I knew that I would basically just be paying. It wasn't going to be subsidized anymore. So like I put all that information in and it like popped out my options. And I was like, this cannot be right. Like based on what I experienced in Arizona, where I probably had like four or five different providers to, to choose from, like a couple dozen different plans there were like mm-hmm. two providers and basically two plans with like three or four levels for each plan. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's no way like that, that can't, that can't be. <laughs> and so I talked to more people around town, like in that area. And they're like, yeah, I've heard that. Um, if you get healthcare on the exchange in this area, and I don't know if it was like the region of Colorado or what, they're like, yeah, there's really not a couple options. And so that was really frustrating. Like I, I felt like instead of like, okay, like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people who's like willing to pay more monthly to have a lower deductible. Cause I know I'm going to use my health insurance. Um, and that basically wasn't an option for me. Like I only had high deductible plans. So I had to like really weigh how much high deductible was I willing to like risk, which felt weird, but I mean, it, it, it did work out, but that was so interesting to just compare those different states, right? Or like you were talking about Connecticut. It sounds like Connecticut also just like doesn't have a lot of options. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I'm um, like crossing my fingers for when I like move to another state and can like get a new type of health insurance that's like a little bit better. Just because I was like, if Arizona can do it, you can too. Like some other states can do. Um, oh wow. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, it's, it's so crazy how, how different it is from state to state. And like, um, you know, I think one of the, uh, I guess, like one of the arguments for, like, you know, Medicaid for all is, is the fact that like, you don't have to, to worry about losing coverage when you're like switching jobs and, um, and like, you know, like how that will be actually efficient for the labor market. Um, And that's actually like, that's a great thing, right? 
Um, and so I, you know, had done a little bit of, um, like thinking about, you know, like kind of also weighing different options and, and seeing if I should take a subsidy or, you know, whatever it is, but, um, me being an entrepreneur and not knowing like when we're going to be raising funding and when my income will actually change and like just being, um, not being able to like kind of forecast and see, because if it ends up that, you know, um, we did raise a bunch of money kind of earlier than we expected and my income goes up, but I still have to like pay off all of these, like, you know, loans now and, and, you know, whatever it is, like, am I going to have the funds to pay the taxes on the subsidy that I took early on? Like, and it was just like too, it was too complicated. So I just like chose the cheapest option paying for it. Um, and I'm just kind of like going from there, but yeah, I, you know, have been thinking, a lot about, you know, different ways our, our healthcare system could be improved and, and thinking not just in terms of like, you know, what's good for people, but trying to, to kind of really dig into kind of the more like economical, um, I guess, reasoning or rationale or um, what's the word I'm looking for, like support, right, for for, for something that just like makes logical sense to me, right? Um, I Before I came back to the States to start start my job, um, I spent a few months in Korea to just like be with my family. And I took care of my, um, my vision and my dental and everything there because even being uninsured and, um, you know, paying for, uh, being uninsured and paying for, you know, different healthcare would be cheaper than coming here, getting whatever, you know, you know, shittiest health insurance I can afford and trying to get vision and dental, like I knew it would, it would still be cheaper. Um, but yeah, that actually, that's just like, I don't have vision and dental, like for the first time yeah. in my life. And which has been such like a weird thing, like I'm just paying out of pocket for it, um, which has been like a really interesting thing to navigate. Like I couldn't leave the country to like, I didn't have anywhere to go to like go do it. Although I'll be honest, I'm very close to the Mexico border right now. I know I have heard from a lot of people that there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of medical tourism in this area. Um, but what I will say is that it did kind of force me to like, yeah, like as a consumer, like figure out what like the cheapest, best options were for me. Um, yeah. cause like I really needed to go to the dentist and like, I needed like some kind of expensive treatments and like, I like couldn't read road signs anymore with my contacts in. And my partner was like, I really think you need contact, like need like a new yeah. prescription. And I was like, no, I'm fine. He's like, no, you yeah. really need to go to that doctor. Um, and what I found, which was super interesting was, um, I, I went to a dentist that's part of like a large net, like not even network. It's just like a, it's like the same office. It's like, it's owned by like a big private equity firm. And I'll be honest, I was very impressed. Like I have always gone to like really small private practice. Like, you know, my family knew my dentist my whole life. Um, I went to a small private practice with a dentist in New Haven, like all along. And I went in and like one, everything was new. Like all state-of-the-art equipment, like really nice. And they clearly cater to people who don't have dental insurance because they like have a, um, a clear like process. Um, and 
like you go and they, and they like tell you what everything is going to cost before they, mm-hmm. they, they do it, which was so nice. And so like when I called, they basically do like a free, um, like check whatever. And then they tell you what everything is going to cost. So you like, okay it <laughs> before, mm-hmm. um, before you go through with it. And I mean, and it wasn't the cheapest thing ever. Right. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure in comparison, um, it was still kind of expensive and I'm sure for some people, like what I had done would be prohibitively expensive, but I was really impressed at what that cost compared to what I'd seen, um, my dental insurance be billed for before, honestly. Um, and the other thing I figured out is that Super Target has an optometrist and they're very nice and it's not very nice. expensive. So I had my eyes checked at Target and nice. they have my contacts and I was able to order it there and it was super easy. And I'm like, you know what? Like I will probably continue to get my eyes checked at Target for like a while because I had a great experience. That's awesome. That's so great. Um, when I was in the city, I used to go to an optometrist in Chinatown, um, and they were awesome and I didn't have to get my, you know, this might be a little bit like, you know, I don't know how people feel about it, but like, you know, again, I used to always get my vision and dental done in Korea. Um, and there you just go walk into, um, like a glasses door and you buy your contacts. Like you don't need a prescription, like, you know, whatever, Um, and so I was sort of just used to that right But here. I think you have to get your eyes checked for your glasses, Mm -hmm. eyes checked for contacts, like every year with a new prescription, or they won't even sell it to you. And that just like feels absurd to me because it's so expensive. Um, and so, yeah, when I was in the city, I used to go to an optometrist in Chinatown who worked like my optometrists in, in Asia. Um, and I could get my contacts without having to, you know, get expensive, um, yeah, expensive tests done every year. So it's, yeah, I don't know. There are a lot of places where I feel like the system could be more efficient um, and beneficial to consumers, but. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, yeah, you're so right. I was having a conversation about this today with a friend, um, like, yeah, trying to figure out, like, what the economics behind it are. And, like, I mean, I, I could have done some research, but I didn't. <laughs> but, um, like, yeah, like, it literally harms the labor market if you're choosing a job based on your insurance. Yeah. Like, that yeah. is definite loss of efficiency in the labor market. Um, matched with the fact that, like, insurers are just not offering benefits, anymore especially smaller smaller um companies right like the big companies can for lots of reasons but smaller companies like what we work for like it just doesn't make sense like that's not a benefit that you can afford and so we we were just discussing like what type of system um like the exchange um like what the affordable care act set up like how could it be how could it be changed? How could it be like updated that really just like gets everybody to start using it and makes it work better for everyone? So like, what are the types of incentives you can put in that like bring, that would like incentivize companies over time to just like use it, right? Like instead of, you know, buying it themselves or whatever, they might, they might just like subsidize their workers more yeah. on the exchange, something like that. Um, so we were discussing that and like, I'm like, man, like now I kind of really want to dig into like, 
healthcare insurance policy more um, and kind of understand like, yeah, like where should we really be spending our money? Um, the other thing I was going to say, and I like want to say before I forget, because um, it was related to like the insurance I ended up choosing now in Colorado. Um, what I've been super impressed by is that they just like really cover preventative healthcare um, and it's totally free, right? So like I have a high deductible plan, which usually means that you're going to pay a lot when you see certain doctors, right? But like, it's totally free to go see your primary care physician like once a year. Telehealth is free. Mental health, a lot of mental health services, not all are free and urgent care is like, mm. it's like a $75 copay, which is honestly mm. not bad. Um, and so I'm like, wow, like there's just the way that it's structured really incentivizes me to like do the preventative stuff. Right. And, mm. and it just like reminded me, I'm like, oh, that has to be part of the system. Like you have to have a healthcare system, like an insurance system. If you really want it to be cheap, <laughs> that really, really incentivizes people to do the preventative stuff. Yeah. And that's like, yeah, I so glad you made that point because it's like, that's, I feel like that's the key difference between like the US healthcare system and um, the healthcare's, uh, healthcare systems of its peers where, you know, we have such like um, just in, you know, by multiples, right? Much more um, GDP spending on healthcare um, and it buys like way worse outcomes, right? And that's because of the lack of like, um, kind of emphasizing preventative care and, you know, the overuse of, or, you know, of people having to overuse things like emergency care because of the lack of preventative care. Um, and it's interesting because so now kind of like being in the sickle space for my job, and I've been, you know, talking to a lot of folks and um, a, a part of the product that we're trying to build is this like monitoring um, system for people with sickle cell so that they can monitor the health of their red blood cells so that they can prevent sickling crises, which, um, you know, causes excruciating pain. And, um, you know, folks ha- end up having to, you know, go to the ER and, and be hospitalized and things like that. And so I was talking to um, a payer, so an insurance provider who is a friend of a friend, and, you know, they were so lovely and they actually care about patients and they, you know, actually want to sort of help change the system for, to, to work better. But the insight that they gave me was that, you know, right now health insurance companies are just not incentivized to prevent, um, to, to pay for preventative care because um, every year, right? Like the patients end up switching their health insurance, right? So whether it's because they're on the marketplace and they switch to a different health insurance or whether it's because they quit their jobs and they, you know, either lose or have to change their employer-based health insurance or whatever it is, because they aren't responsible for sort of the long-term health of, of the people that they're insuring, they're just not incentivized to pay for any sort of new type of preventative care because they don't they don't have a stake in it. They don't have a stake in in what happens to um, to their customers. And I just thought that was so shocking and you know it's yeah and shitty. Um, and I, I I don't I don't know what the what the way around that is right. Yeah. Um, there is like a newer kind of model. Um, called value-based care. Um, and I, I don't know how widespread it is. I think it's getting a little bit of traction in sort of like larger 
systems where rather than um, providers being reimbursed like by the test or the service so that, you know, uh, you know, you hear stories of like doctors ordering all kinds of like unnecessary, you know, tests or um, prescribing things that are, are not necessary or, or, you know, whatever it is because of um, because, you know, they want to get reimbursement rather than being tied to the, the services rendered, like the volume of services rendered, um, getting providers reimbursed for outcomes, for patient outcomes, um, so that it's like a more holistic kind of view of healthcare and, and reimbursement. Um, and so I think if there was more of a move towards, you know, hospital systems and whatnot towards that type of like holistic view of a patient yeah. and their wellness, and that could be the kind of uh, a better metric maybe um, for reimbursement. Like uh, I think that could be one step. Interesting. That, that's so interesting. I was just thinking back to um, a, a hospital bill. Well, many hospital bills that thankfully I personally didn't have to pay my health insurance paid. And I will say um, the insurance that we had through um school, while there were definitely some challenges, like you said, with like getting a mental health care provider, um, because you really had to go just like through the people on campus. Um, basically like everything was covered. So like I was in the ER, not in New Haven. And while I did have to like call them ahead of time, which I was like, I mean, I can talk to you, but I feel like there's a lot of circumstances where I'd be going to the ER where I couldn't talk to you and I'm still supposed to call ahead, but like, whatever, that's a different problem. Um, so anyway, so thankfully enough to pay for it. But, um, something that was really interesting because like, I actually did get the bill because as students, I didn't have like a health insurance card. Like I didn't have, right. Like my, whatever, like the, the, the group number and my, like the ID number and whatever. Um, and so it was like the middle of the night. I was like checking out of the ER and I was just like, here's my information. I'm a student at Yale bill them. And of course they didn't, they billed me. And so I had to Mm. get it switched over. But so, so I actually saw the bills, otherwise I wouldn't have. Mm. And this was super interesting. So it was a teaching hospital in, in, um, New York and the number of different doctors that I saw in my, like, many hours of there, which, like, it was important that I went and they checked and I was, like, fine, but I did need at least a few doctors to, like, confirm that I would be fine and could just go home. Yeah. Um, I got bills from so many different departments. It was wild. Yeah. Like, I got a bill that it was, like, okay, this is your bill for the ER, and I was, like, okay, that makes sense. But I literally got a bill from, like, the med school because that's how they bill for the students, And just like all these different things. And all of a sudden there was like, I think I had five or six different bills that were like all part of this, like one, you know, four hour stay in the ER. That was just so interesting. And I was like, okay, I appreciate it's a teaching hospital, but to your point, did that help me get better? (laughs) Did like literally like I saw... I mean, obviously, like, in the ER, the person who you're seeing is, like, a little bit more of a generalist. But, like, I saw at least three people, maybe four people, of, like, a specialist. And I'm like, did I need Mm -hmm. to see four of them? I don't know. I'm not mad they came in. It's a teaching hospital. Like, it didn't actually bother me that all those people came in. But, like, should I be the one paying for it? Uh, I don't know. And I think if I if I literally had to pay for it, I maybe would have looked into it more. But that's really interesting to think about, like, 
that didn't make me healthier. Like that didn't make mm-hmm. me better. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it, it, maybe it taught students and that's good. Like, I think that yeah. there's a reason for that, but yeah, w- who's getting charged and what are the incentives is right. really exactly. important. Yeah. That question of incentives is like the thing that's going to solve it all. I suppose. Um, I, I think that like uh, whenever we're talking about policy, right? Like it's really hard to know what dominoes are going to fall and what kind of like in, like good incentives and what kind of like perverse incentives and you know what like what kind of effects that will have down the line. Um, but I think, yeah, I feel like just you know um, having one basic metric right around like oh will this person's health outcome actually improve and um, what is like the most efficient way for all of us to like, yeah, pull our resources towards that. Like, I don't know, it seems like a pretty basic one for sure. Yeah. So I guess in terms of like uh, incentives, I like, there's one thing that I was thinking about, um, I guess back when um, like Bernie Sanders was talking about his Medicaid for all, um, and all of that. And I, I think if it, if it were, um, like a few years ago and it was like, before I came to business school or if I had, um, had less friends or who, you know, who were, or if I had, yeah, if it were me of like two years ago with, no friends that were not like radical, <laughs> um, radical liberals and progressives. Um, I feel like I would have kind of accepted um, and like supported fully sort of his version of the kind of, you know, bill um, that he proposed and, and whatnot. But I've also been, you know, thinking a little bit more critically about like what would, what would actually sort of make sense. Right. Um, and I, feel like, you know, there is a way to also incentivize like consumers and for, um, you know, in, in his version of the bill where he was, uh, you know, he wanted to um, not have any co-pays for any services, um, like that would have, I think, also had sort of a perverse incentive for, um, you know, for, for consumers to like, potentially like go to the hospital unnecessarily and sort of tie up systems and um, kind of take resources that aren't needed as well. And so I think that I am in favor of um, low limit copays, you know, whether it's on like a tiered scale or, you know, whatever it is. And my only kind of point of comparison, I guess, with healthcare systems that do that, again, is in, in Korea. Um, and I feel like it works well where, you know, if you need treatment, you can go get it. If you need um, like treatment management, like chronic treatment, man- chronic, chronic pain management or chronic, you know, disease management, like it's available in there so that you don't have these like awful um, health crises and, and, and whatnot, um, I think. And I think that's great, right? Um, yeah. But, and I think that, I, so I've been thinking about myself as like a con- consumer of healthcare and sort of like what I would be okay paying or what, what I would feel good about, um, yeah, what I would feel good about. Because like, as you said, Sarah, like the ACA, um, despite all of the, you know, um, like the criticisms or 
um, or like the critiques or, you know, whatever of it, like it has done so much good, right? Like, mm-hmm. sure, like I'm paying more for health for healthcare than I've ever done in my life, but there are so many more people who are insured. There are so many people who couldn't get health insurance before that are now able to, you know, get into it because, um, you know, because of pre-existing conditions, like what have you. And I, and so I've been thinking a lot about sort of, yeah, like what am I willing to pay for a better healthcare system that not only benefits me, but that like benefits us as a society um, where I don't feel like, where I don't feel shafted, um, but I also don't feel right. Like I'm, um, I'm being a proponent of something that's like that other people would perceive as not fair or, 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 you know, whatever it is. Um, It's been really hard to put like a number on it. And I, I think for me, it's like what I've realized is that it's less about kind of, you know, the, the number of percentage or percentages or or whatever it is, because, um, I like stumbled on this statistic actually, where, um, the, so the, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, like the lowest 10% of earners and just like by, you know, uh, point of comparison, like the lowest 9.1% of earners, um, earned under $15,000 in 2019. So, around $15,000, they spent about 35% of their pre-tax incomes on healthcare in 2019. And that's crazy, right? And on the flip side, for the highest 10% earners, um, they've only spent 3.5% of their pre-tax on healthcare, right? And, you know, I fall somewhere in between. And so I think it's like so much less about like numbers that are fair and numbers that are, um, yeah, that make things more equitable, though that's like, that's absolutely necessary. We need numbers so that we can, you know, carry out a plan. But um, yeah, I feel like even just like in the conversations around healthcare, um, talk like talking about the real impacts on people is so important to win, right, hearts and minds. And I think with COVID and with um, kind of the experiences around being in the gap that, that you know, none of us have had before and, um, you know, a lot more conversations around like equity in, in all of our systems and whatnot, I feel like will hopefully be um, a, a better catalyst for more kind of fuller conversations around um, healthcare reform than, than simply numbers, because sometimes as convincing as that is, um, I think as, as a, you know, a different brand of healthcare consumer in the past months, I feel like, um, yeah, that's that kind of holistic way of talking about healthcare has been so, so important to me. Yeah. I I 100% agree. And, um, I guess this is another shout out for Obama's new book, but because I wasn't exactly paying attention in, in 2008, I was like, you know, a, a, a distracted self-obsessed co-ed. Um, I didn't, I mean, I didn't know like how, you know, all of these pieces, but um, it's really interesting to like understand the difference between like what the bill's intent was versus, versus like what had to change and um, sort of like taking a step back and thinking like, wow, like, yes, like there have been like a lot of really positive outcomes, but like it was supposed to make healthcare cheaper for all of us. And the way that it was supposed to do that was by having a government 
insurance provider, um, not the only provider, right? But that would sort of be a different type of competition. And maybe that is a, a, a different type of incentive, right? Where they're not just like, yes, trying to be a little bit cheaper than the other and like still provide good healthcare, but like really they're, they're trying to maximize certain things and like maximizing um, their profit. It's, it'd be the government, right? It'd be like kind of like nonprofit. Like they're not trying to maximize their profit. They're trying to have the lowest costs um, right. available. And so it was really interesting to just like read that and learn that and like think about the difference and and also remember like, you know, no nobody reads these or like nobody as in like we consumers read these bills. And so all we're listening to are the descriptions of them through media or even really good sources. Like they're not going to tell us all the details. And so yeah, it just has made me realize that like there's a lot of different levers or like new structures that we can work on. Um, that some that might really be like the type of um, you know, capitalist competition that we like here in the U.S., right? And that was and and it just might look a little bit different. So yeah, I think that yeah, thinking about it differently, thinking about it less like I am personally afraid of higher cost, and more like how can we change the system so that over time it is cheaper and better for all of us, um, and. Yeah, reading back at what, you know, the beginnings of the Affordable Care Act really like kind of inspired me to be like, okay, like I think we can do this. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Effing Ethical. As usual, we would love to hear from you. Uh, what topics are you interested in? What are your thoughts about our thoughts? Really anything. Um, you can email us at hello at songandsarah.com or find us on Instagram at F-I-N-G underscore ethical.